The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. So today we're going to continue in our series, The Treasures in the Word. That's what we're going to continue today. And um, of course, last week, uh, as Charlotte said earlier, we didn't meet because very last minute, etc., isolation. Uh, so this is a message from last week brought to this week. Uh, so I'm following on from what Pastor William was sharing two weeks ago. Uh, if you remember the picture he put up of people searching for diamonds, because of course, uh, if we think, if you think treasure, you think diamond, because we think they're worth a lot of money. Uh, well, they are worth a lot of money. Uh, if you've ever had to buy an engagement ring, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, it's, is, it, is it two months' salary? Is it three months' salary? Is it something like that? I don't want to cause any, uh, any trouble for anyone. Um, but we see them as treasures, and we saw people going out to try and search for this treasure. But one thing I wanted to just recap from two weeks ago were the tools that Pastor William shared. Uh, if you remember, he shared three tools, and they were humility, the Holy Spirit, and meditation. And those were the tools that he said we needed to really get into the Word. And I just want to recap on that. Because if you think about it, humility is really about you and I saying, we need you, God. We need your word. Now think about it. When someone comes to you and says, look, I really need you. There is that sense of, yeah, what do you need? What do you need? Because you feel like, yeah, I want to help you. Because it takes humility to go and say, I need help. And that's what humility is all about. We ask going to God and saying, Lord, we need you. We need your word. And that's quite critical. The second thing was the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit helps us understand. But also, the Holy Spirit is the one that reminds us of the word when we really need it. Because I don't know about you, oftentimes you've read the Bible and you go about your merry day. And then it might be months later, or even years later, you're about to make a decision or do something, and the word pops into your mind. And you go, oh yeah. And that kind of guides the decision that you make. That's what the Holy Spirit does. In fact, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said that but when the Father sends the Comforter instead of me, and by the Comforter, I mean the Holy Spirit. He will teach you much, as well as remind you of everything I myself have told you. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit, if we're going to get into the traces of the Word. Because He's the one who not only teaches us, as in helps us understand what's in this book, but also reminds us when we actually need it. And the last thing, on that was meditation. Uh, for me, meditation, this is where really 
revelation comes. This is where you get real insight. It's when you are thinking on, thinking about the word of the living God. And uh, if you remember back in Joshua, so this is Moses, the great Moses is getting ready to go. He's now passing a baton on to Joshua. And Moses says to Joshua, in, uh, and we read this in Joshua 1.8, he said, constantly remind the people about these laws. And you yourself must think about them every day and every night so that you will be sure to obey all of them. For only then will you succeed. So there is a correlation here between meditating on God's word and obeying God's word and then achieving success, of course, as defined by God because the world has a different definition of success. Now, we know the phrase, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, it's true for the word of the living God. Yet when we are not thinking about, meditating on God's word, it's kind of out of mind, out of sight. Uh, and, and we know that when someone's out of sight, out of mind, you just kind of forget about them. And that's not what we want with the Word of God. So I just wanted to just recap on those three things. And today, really, I want to just touch on a couple of areas that I, in my own personal life, that I've seen how reading the Word of God has really been impactful. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to touch on a couple of scriptures. So I'm going to go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, verses 16 to 17. This is a scripture that Pastor William also shared. Uh, just to kind of establish a bit of foundation, uh, get things right. Um, so the Bible says, and this is, I'm reading from the Living Bible Translation. Uh, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God. Let me just repeat that. The whole Bible. Not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God. And it's useful for what? To teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. For it is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everyone. If that's the case, then if we don't read the Bible, where does that put us? If it's there to help us realize what is wrong in our lives, if it's there to help us become prepared for what's coming so we know how to respond, how to react, if we are not reading, then where does that put us? You know, um, in the last few years, we've heard things like uh, alternative facts. You know, or, well, that's your truth, and this is my truth. The question is, how do we determine what is true as children of God? Now, in truth, if we are not in the Word, then we kind of go with, I guess, what the majority say, or what the majority thinks is true. Um, but even alternative facts is cutting into a vocabulary. You think, what exactly is alternative facts? It's a lie, really. It's just 
that's just the way I want to present it. Um, but for us, we've got to have something that gives us the basis for what we think is true and what is not true. And that's what the Bible does. And the second scripture I want to share before I kind of go into the example I was talking about earlier uh, is from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So this is Paul writing to the Romans. And he says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, a few weeks ago, Kevin was speaking about anxiety. And I remember he said that the mind is the battleground. And we know the mind is the battleground. That's where the battle really goes on. You know, we, we have our spirit. You know, we've got the Holy Spirit in us. Our spirit is in tune. We've got our flesh that's always wanting to go the other way. And then we've got the guy in the middle. Who's trying to settle the fight between these two sides? And that's why the battle is in the mind. And, uh, and it, it is true. Now, Paul is saying here, um, you've got to renew your mind. Um, I think maybe sometimes as Christians, maybe we're a little bit guilty that we think that when we, uh, when we make a commitment to Christ, wouldn't it be nice if there's a zapping that just goes on? And you know, our minds just become right straight away. You know, like, zoom, born again, zoom, that's it, go, look, I'm doing everything right from now on. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately not. I mean, it would be fantastic if it did, because would, we wouldn't have to do so much work, I guess. Um, but that's not how it works. Um, we have to renew our minds, you know. In truth, I mean, if you think about it, our mindset is based on society, culture, family, whatever it is as we've grown up. And then you get to this point, you give your life, and, and maybe your society has taught you, um, don't trust that. You know. In fact, don't trust that entire group of people. For example, you know, just don't trust them. That's how you've grown up. And then you become a Christian. You don't immediately think, oh, now I'm going to trust all of them. No, actually, your mind's still thinking, don't trust them, even though you're now a Christian. Now, how do we get out of that? Well, we've got to renew our minds. And the way we renew our minds is through the Word. It's as we read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit starts to show us, ah, you know that thing that you're always thinking you don't trust that person, but they've never actually done anything to you not to make you trust them. Do you want to examine that? That's the Holy Spirit. But as, as we read the Bible, that we start to get some of those things. Uh, and that's why it's important for us to renew our minds through the Word. Because our minds have been set to an extent. You know, just going back to uh, uh, what Kevin was talking about a couple of weeks ago around um, uh, anxiety, fear, and the fact that, you know, oftentimes, I think he says something like, was it 8%? of the things that we are really fearful about is actually real. Uh, the, the remaining 92 is just perceived. Um, again, it's amazing how God's work can give us perspective. And that often helps us to kind of get rid of the 92% of our fears that are really just perception and not real uh, things for us to worry about. Again, we get that through the Word. But a couple of areas I want to just touch on in terms of how I've seen 
reading the Bible consistently helped me through my faith journey. I want to start with dealing with the guilt of sin. Um, because sin can weigh heavy. Sin can cripple you to an extent. And, uh, and I remember in my early 20s when I decided to start you know, getting serious with my faith that uh, suddenly the things that I happily did before, um, now there's a little bit of a pricking in your heart. It's like, why, why do I suddenly feel uncomfortable about these things I used to do? Um, and then, of, of course, from then, the enemy has a way of coming in to, to try to condemn you, and then you start to feel like, oh, you're not really a Christian. <laughs> you keep doing these same things. You can't be a Christian. You're not Christian at all. You're just, you're just faking or something like that. So that's how slowly the enemy starts to weigh on us. You know, we start to feel guilty about what we do. Maybe when you're among Christian friends or something, you act in a certain way, uh, and then when you're not, you know, you act in a different way, and the enemy really starts to play that guilt game, and you start to feel really guilty. And, and very early on, um, as I started to read through the Bible, and I, I got to Psalm 51. Uh, now, uh, Psalm 51 is a prayer, it's called a prayer of repentance. And it, um, it was David, you know the story of David, and he took someone else's wife, and then he sent the husband to war and made sure he died. Terrible stuff. Now, that's not what I did, but certainly, <laughs> certainly nothing of that uh, nature. But certainly the weight of sin was, was uh, weighing heavy on me. And when I got to Psalm 51, I was like, oh, yeah. And particularly actually uh, 51 verse 14 um, where, where he said, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. I hadn't shed anyone's blood. But, um, but it was interesting that when you pray for forgiveness, you get forgiven. We know that. The Bible says you are forgiven when you ask. But somehow, I'm uh, still not quite there. And so when I got to this, deliver me from the guilt of blood, I understood that, yes, although I've prayed for forgiveness, there just seems to be that guilt still weighing on me. And so this became, I must have read Psalm 51 several times a day for many, many a day in my early Christian walk. Uh, not that I don't need to read it anymore these days, but definitely at that early stage, uh, that was how I was able to a battle that real condemnation that the enemy was trying to put on me as a result of uh, the, the guilt of sin. And of course, as I continued to read the Bible, I then got on to Romans 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. And, um, and this was just, wow, fantastic. Because the Bible says, So there is now no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. And this was just a kind of, weight of my shoulder. Jesus said, I haven't come to condemn you. That's not what I'm here for. There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Because it's important for us to know when we've done wrong. And the Holy Spirit pricks our heart to say, uh, you've done wrong there, you need to do something about it. That's conviction. But conviction is there to lead us to repentance. Condemnation is there to keep us down and to say, you're no good, you're lying, you're not this, you're not that. That's condemnation. That's from the enemy. But
but conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple of examples we can look at. Now, we know the story of Peter and Judas. Both of them betrayed Jesus. Okay? Judas, we know, took money to identify Jesus. Clearly, back in those days, no mobile phones. Otherwise, they could have just sent a WhatsApp message. You know, this is what his face looks like. <laughs> go and get him. But he had to go and identify Jesus physically to those who wanted to grab him. And we know that, yes, he took money. Yes, he betrayed Jesus. But as we read on, we come across uh, Judas being sorrowful. He was sorry for what he did. He went back to the Pharisees and said, I've done something wrong. Take your money. And of course, the Pharisees gave him no hope whatsoever. They were like, well, not my problem. You're the one who did it. Go and sort it out. And that, we know what happened to Jesus. He ended up taking his own life. Condemnation. And you could see the Pharisees certainly were no friend of his. Because they just said, not our problem. On the other hand, you have Peter, who also betrayed Jesus. The Peter said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be with you. Three times he betrayed Jesus, the same night. And also when he realized what he'd done, what happened? Sorrowful, he cried. But you can imagine he was in a very different circle. You can imagine the other disciples going, come on, Peter. There's work to be done. Come on, get over it. And going back to Christ. So there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. And what we have to make sure is we do not allow ourselves to be condemned because Christ does not condemn us. Like Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery, Jesus said, after he said, whoever hasn't sinned should be the first one to cast a stone. And they all walked away because clearly they knew that they were, all as, they were guilty of some sin or the other. And Jesus said, go and sin no more. I, I don't condemn you. That's the heart of Christ. Okay? And it's worth us remembering that Jesus doesn't condemn us. And I got that from reading the Bible. Understanding that. The second area I want to look at is uh, what I've called speaking life and not death. You know in the book of Proverbs... Chapter 18, verse 21, the Bible says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. And I'm sure you've had experiences where your words have either inflamed a situation or calmed the situation down. I think we're all, we're all at different types of experiences. Words are powerful. And you know, as I began to read the Bible, I began to understand that not just words are powerful, my words are powerful. The things that I say, not just over things around me, but over my own life. The words that I declare, they are powerful. Words carry power. And so I started to be very careful about what I said, you know, even of myself. I would never say, I'm no good to myself. As I began to understand that words carry power. No, because I'm not going to declare unto my own life. And David is a brilliant example in the Bible. We see David. How many times did David have to encourage himself? It's like, come on, 
Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, regardless of how I'm feeling. Words carry power. And you know, as I read through the Bible, you know, you read and you understand, and some things stick and others don't. I know some books, you kind of you fast forward through some books, and some you slow down, depending on, you know, if you ever get to kind of Leviticus and stuff, you, you kind of, there's only so many begets, begets, begets that you can, you can get through. But you still kind of have to get through them, right? Because the whole Bible is inspiration from God. So we have to get through it all. But I had this experience. Um, I was, um, I'd gone to Reading, and I was driving back from Reading. Uh, good day, I had a meeting in Reading. It was a good meeting, pretty in good mood. And I was driving back in the M25. Uh, as you know, M25, four lanes, hard shoulder. Uh, I can't remember which junction I was at. Uh, but I was driving, and um, I was in a merry mood because uh, I had a good meeting. I think it was in the afternoon. Uh, in fact, it was, it was March 2005, 16th of March 2005. The reason I know that is, believe it or not, I, I, um, yesterday I was uh, tidying up my office uh, because you know, we had some painting done and, and putting things back. And... Um, and I came across a book, and it said on it, Book of Testimonies. And I opened it up, and it's a story. <laughs> 16th of March, 2005. That's how I know what the date was. I, I, yeah, so it's amazing how that happened only yesterday, even though I was supposed to actually preach this message last week. Um, but 16th of March, 2005, I was driving on the M25, and as I'm driving, suddenly I... It was almost like suddenly somebody dumped a bucket of extreme sorrow on me. It was that sudden. And it was that deep. That I am like, what's going on? How have I gone from being in a really good mood, because I've had a good meeting, to suddenly feeling so down, so extremely sorrowful? I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And of course you start to go, I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, look, what's going on? What's, I, I don't get it. And then something popped into my mind. And it was from Psalm 118, verse 24. Psalm 118, 24. And it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. And literally, as I'm feeling like this, I'm talking seconds here. I just shouted out in my car. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Within a second of that last word coming out of my mouth, the front passenger tire just blew. And um, because I was in the fast lane, um, panic set in, and I just pushed the hazard light, I made a beeline, for the hard shoulder without really thinking. And as I did that, I did get to the hard shoulder, parked, and, and, and went on, and I was just, of course, trying to gather my thoughts. What I didn't realize was there was a HGV lorry in the slow lane, bombing along, that had to swerve into the heart shoulder to avoid me. And he missed me by an absolute whisker. 
I didn't realize this at the time, but he stopped his HGV lorry, came back to me, and looked at me and said, are you okay? And I said, yes, yes, I'm okay. And then all, all he just said was, I could have killed you. I could have killed you. And he just kept repeating himself. And then it was then I suddenly looked up and I saw the guy and he was physically shaken. Physically shaken. All he was saying was, I could have killed you. I could have killed you. And it suddenly dawned on me. It suddenly dawned on me that what the enemy meant for evil. I'm totally convinced that declaration that this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it had an impact on that day. Because in truth, any touch on my car that day, I don't think I would have survived it. Because I just made a beeline for the... Because I was drastically losing speed and I just wanted to get out of the way. And he was doing a good 60, 70 miles and there was no way I would have survived it. And it was just that at that moment when I felt that extreme sadness, so sudden, so extreme, almost like someone had died really, almost had been told someone had died, someone really close, that the Holy Spirit, the words that I'd read, the Holy Spirit just reminded me and I declared it out loud. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And for me, that was quite critical. That's why it's really so important that we get into the Word. Because as we get into the Word, and I'm not talking every... We regularly read this Word. We don't know when that Word's going to come in. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the Word. And we can declare that Word. You know, time will not permit me to share so many more examples. Um, how, you know, Ecclesiastes 9.11 is one of my favorite scriptures. Because it says, you know, the scripture, the race is not to the swift, etc. Et but the bit that says time and chance happens to them all. Because actually, that scripture is very instrumental in us starting our property business, my wife and I. Uh, because we have this opportunity and we're kind of deciding what to do. And that scripture came to mind. Because I've always interpreted that scripture to mean that opportunities come to all. It's pretty much as you seize the opportunity. And I remember at the time, that scripture came to mind so strongly that I said to my wife, nah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Again, the word of the Lord having an impact on my day-to-day. What about the example? There was a period I was uh, very, it was a season, uh, very fearful because, you know, we were traveling home and, you know, it was just a, a lot of bad news coming through at the time. And you really started to be fearful. And uh, it was, you know, really starting to cause me anxiety at the time. And, uh, and I remember one day I was just reading through my Bible normally and I just got to Judges chapter 6 verse 23 where God was talking to Gideon who was also a fearful guy and God said to him specifically, come on Gideon, you're not going to die. Don't be afraid. And I'm not joking. Since I read that scripture, it's stuck in me. And it was just like fear just disappeared that day. Just reading through the word of the Lord. 
And also there was a time I was, um, I'd gone to work and, you know, they, they were having trouble convincing a guy to do something. And, 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 I, and I said, let me, let me talk to him. And, and I did and he agreed to do it. And they were just so shocked and said, what did you say to him? How did you do it? I just, I just said, oh, because I'm great. I said it in jest and walked on. And uh, when I got into my car, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, remember Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> now, if you've never read the story of Nebuchadnezzar, go and read it. It's in uh, Daniel's or one of those anyway, uh, I think. And uh, it's the story of how um, he was so proud and took glory of what God was doing and ended up becoming mad for seven years. And immediately I just said, Lord, I'm so sorry. It wasn't that I was great. It was because you were great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to, I certainly didn't want to be eating grass for seven years, I was for sure. Um, but just even things like that, you know, just the Holy Spirit just reminding you of what you've read in the Word. That's why it's critical. And of course, Jesus showed us a great example of how to respond. Because as we know in the wilderness, Jesus was tried. And every time Satan came and said, do this. What did Jesus do? Matthew 4, 4. Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He came again. And Jesus said, Matthew 4, 7. It is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. He came a third time. And Jesus' response, away with you, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Jesus responded with, it is written. Where is it written? Here. It is written here. That's where it's written. You know, my hope is that you take away that regularly reading your Bible is to be prioritized. It's not something you fit in when you've got some spare time. It's something that you do as a priority because this is life. This is life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.